welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Morning. Uh, my name is Bill Stewart. I'm a recovered uh, sexaholic. Um, uh, let's see, I'll be your f- facilitator for this session. Um, uh, primarily, I'll be telling my uh, story. Uh, Please take a moment to ensure that all electronic uh, devices are silenced and uh, personal recording of this uh, meeting or any other meeting is uh, uh, prohibited. You can get a copy of it uh, out at the uh, CD table if you uh, want to do so. Uh, Will all who are would like join me in uh, the serenity prayer. We'll have a moment of silence first. Prayer, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Right. Um, in the spirit of uh, carrying the essay message, this meeting is being recorded. If you're not sure your share will be appropriate or on topic, please participate by listening. The recording equipment will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone so the listeners on the of the CD can uh, follow. If you do not wish to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment. That is, please do not touch any of the recording equipment. All right. I'm going to start off and we'll just see where this this goes. Um, uh, I came to uh, SA uh, September 4th, uh, 1993. Um, And um, when I got here, I was... uh, profoundly depressed. Uh, I had gotten to a point where uh, my uh, sexual behavior was completely out of control and I was uh, getting to the point where the behavior was uh, likely to uh, bring me to the attention of the uh, law enforcement. And uh, knowing that if I crossed certain lines, that I would uh, uh, would at the very least end up on uh, on the local news and and in the newspaper, uh, lose my professional license, and uh, possibly uh, go to jail or prison. Uh, and and I and knowing that, I also knew that uh, I would not be powerless. Uh, to say no if the opportunity presented itself. 
now that's not that's not how my sexual uh, uh, acting out began, but that's that's the point to which it progressed over a period of decades. Uh, I'll uh, I'll start now at at what I think uh, is probably the beginning. And while I certainly understand uh, uh, that this is uh, Sexaholics Anonymous and, and, and Honor the Singleness of Purpose, my uh, story doesn't make sense unless you understand that uh, I'm also an alcoholic and a drug addict. Um, so uh, I, I had my first drink of alcohol when I was... Uh, somewhere between three and five years old. And I remember that very clearly. Uh, if I were a good enough artist, I could, uh, I could draw a picture of the room, the table, uh, where the counter was, and so forth. Um, and I, 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 uh, I didn't, I didn't, couldn't, really articulate what was going on, but what I knew was that, that the way that made me feel uh, was something that, that, that I never wanted to lose. I start, I, 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 I'm consciously aware of, uh, of fantasy uh, by the age of uh, six or seven, and uh, not, not particularly sexual fantasy, but just escape fantasy. Um, I grew up in a, a home with two alcoholic uh, parents and my mother was, was violent and dangerous and abusive and um, so I, I needed to escape. Uh, I was, I was, I was uh, uh, drinking alcohol for the purpose of getting intoxicated by the time I was six or seven. And when you've got alcoholic parents who have have booze and other things around all the time, I had access uh, fairly fairly frequently, periodically to be sure, but 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 fairly frequently. And when I was about nine or ten years old, uh, I recall um, connecting with my first bit of uh, pornography, and. Uh, Back in those uh, days, they had what they called uh, men's magazines, and uh, they put them up on the top shelf of the uh, of the magazine stand at the drugstore, or uh, primarily you'd see them in drugstores, occasionally in supermarkets. And uh, in this particular case, uh, I, I looked up and saw the cover, and it was a very lurid cover, of the, uh, of the magazine. And I just stood there absolutely transfixed. Uh, we'd gone into the uh, drugstore uh, I had with my, uh, my father, my godfather, my siblings, and, and my god, uh, godfather's uh, children. And um, they, were, they were letting... They taken the children in so that, and I don't know whether it was to get like, you know, a milkshake or a 
soda or whatever. But but once I saw that, whatever candy or something of that sort that I that we had gone in to get was immediately out of my consciousness, and I was just standing there transfixed, drinking that image in. And again, if I if I were a good enough artist, I could pretty well draw that image uh, almost 60 years later. Uh, I, it was just burned right in. I really uh, identified uh, with that part of Roy's story where he uh, where he, he he found some of the image women that he uh, that he described. Uh, the disease started progressing, you know, and 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 uh, uh, I would I would uh, get alcohol, get with a. This was in high school. I'd get alcohol, uh, get with a uh, a girl. Uh, we drink, not to the point of of you know falling down drunk, but enough to lower inhibitions. We'd have sex. Um, I. Uh, I would find girls, uh, and then later women, who grew up in, in, uh, dysfunctional families similar to my own. And, uh, and, and they were very vulnerable. They, they, you know, they had no idea of what a healthy, uh, relationship between a man and a woman, uh, or a boy and a girl should look like. And so, uh, we would, uh, we would just have at it and, uh, uh, as as many of you can identify, um, as 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 uh, the relationship uh, became quote unquote boring, I'd look for the next one and just move on. Uh, absolutely no concern for the well being of uh, of of the other person. And this was the pattern that went on until sometime in my twenties when I found us uh, found someone like this. And, uh, and married her, and, uh, that began a, uh, a nearly 20 year marriage that, um, that was based on lust. Uh, I never, I never gave up, uh, pornography, masturbation. Uh, I was in the Navy, and so when we would, when I would be, uh, deployed on, uh, uh, overseas, I would, uh, 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 frequent the red light districts of various cities and again I, I, I'm not going to bore you with pornographic details because yeah, I, you know, I got to tell you uh, some, are, some are more uh, out front than others but uh, uh, the feel of the red light district in Amsterdam uh, Hamburg Naples Subic Bay um, Pusan, it's all the same, okay. Uh, and 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 uh, again, at the time, I would have told you this is exciting, it's different, it's you know the forbidden, the tease, etc. But um, but but in retrospect, what I realize is that there was this really sad sense of uh, desperation and and. Uh, uh, just it it, it, it certainly uh, you know lust can never be satisfied and and that's what I that's what what I experienced. Um, 
1990, uh, my alcoholism and uh, uh, and drug use and and the drugs that I preferred were. I, I mean, my favorite drug is what you got. Uh, but but if I had uh, uh, access, uh, I, I especially like uh, to mix the stimulants like uh, cocaine and amphetamines with alcohol. That's a very dangerous and lethal combination. Um, and uh, I like to I like to say that I discovered that if you uh, if you uh, take uh, uh, sixty to 100 milligrams of amphetamine, you can drink a lot more whiskey before you fall down. And if you smoke uh, enough marijuana, you're not as likely to vomit. And uh, some someone was talking another session about cocaine and sex, cocaine and sex, and yeah, you know, and and uh, and you start mixing all that together, and uh, it it does it, it does something, <laughs> not good, but it definitely. Uh, uh, affects your your mental functioning. So at any rate, I uh, uh, got to a point in 1990. Um, uh, or well, let me back up. In in 19, uh, I think 1987. Yeah, my uh, my younger sister had to go into treatment for her alcoholism. It was the end of 1987, and uh, she was at the point of death. And 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 that was uh, and so in early 1988 I started going to 12-step meetings. Then I started going to uh, Al-Anon and adult children of alcoholics meetings because as as long as as I was going to those meetings the problem was the alcoholic and I wasn't an alcoholic. It, they were alcoholics. I just drank for fun and. Uh, but in those, you know, I went in there with the idea that that it's their fault. I'm just the victim here, and and I could maintain my uh, my self delusion and continue what I was doing. Unfortunately, a couple of years later, I was uh, sitting in a in a meeting, and somebody shared a story, and there was just one too many similarities, and and I couldn't find enough differences between me and the dead person uh, to maintain my my self delusion, and and God knows I was working hard at it, and and suddenly I realized that 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 the dead person was me six months down the road, and in that moment I caught alcoholism in an AA meeting, because once my denial started to crumble, I couldn't put it back together fast enough. And uh, uh, and so I, I, I did pick up a, a, a white ship. I drank again after that when I knew that it was going to kill me. And and, and I ended up drinking again. Uh, and and the, like the, the way the big book tells the story of the accountant, I started to started drinking. Uh, in this case, it was was wine. Started drinking wine as if it had been uh, ginger ale. Um, but I <clears throat> went back shortly after and, and quit drinking, and that was in 1990. But from 1990 till I got to SA, um, the sexaholism now had to had to carry the burden that had been shared with alcohol and drugs. So so that 
initially progressed rather rapidly, and then it, start, it, it started failing. And if you if you haven't had this experience, and and you feel that you have to, I promise you, it's waiting for you. Of uh, of having the pornography, and uh, and 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 by the, again by the time I got to the end, it it was it was really perverted pornography. Okay, uh, stuff stuff that you stuff that you you would hesitate to to go into detail about in most uh, essay meetings. You know, you just now I understand that that. As, as I tell some of my friends, I, I once had a friend who was really ashamed because he had a fetish about women's shoes. Now, to him, this was very shameful. To me, it was just kind of like, I don't see the big deal. Because his fetish doesn't trigger my fantasy. Just like my fetishes probably wouldn't trigger his fantasies. But the point is that, that we, we, each of us thinks that, that whatever it is we're doing is uniquely Disgusting, perverted, and shameful. That that was that was the belief I brought in here until I found out that not only am I not unique, I'm not particularly special. I've 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 been in meetings where where we were sharing some of the the, the fetish stuff and and had people come up and and you know it's kind of like you know thank you i i didn't know there were and have like out of a room of maybe 40 or 50 people three or four come up and say i thought i was the only one so obviously if you know there's that many people in a group of 50 sexaholics i must not be that special but at the time i remember having the experience that i would masturbate and at the moment of climax i would not have a full second of relief the, the any any fun was long since gone. But I wouldn't even get a full second of relief before the shame and self-loathing would come right back in. Now, that didn't stop me from fantasy pornography and masturbation. It just wasn't working. Just like I kept kept drinking and using drugs long after, there was no euphoria left when I, when I was... I was just feeding the beast. That was sometime in the springtime of 1993. I wish I could tell you the, the date more specifically, but at this point, nothing's working. I see where this is headed. And, um, and now I start thinking that the only way I'm going to prevent something horrible is to start killing myself. Or I start fantasizing about killing myself. And it's, I think you can, can kind of make a link, even if you don't have personal experience. The way that you can play out a sexual fantasy and then replay it and make certain changes, and each time you do, you, 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 you get a little more, you, a little more deeply into the fantasy itself. That's what I started doing with suicide. The difference is you only get to act out with that once. Or at least the way the the fantasies I was having, uh, highly lethal, uh, gunshot wound to the head, um, high speed single uh, vehicle uh, into a bridge abutment, things like this. Uh, and I would like to say it was it was taking on it was again it was the fantasy initially gave me a sense of of power. It was my ace in the hole. 
was how, how I was going to control and enjoy whatever. But then it started to take me over. And um, as, as I got more and more desperate, I was sitting in a meeting, and a guy had just gotten out of, uh, of treatment. This was not an essay meeting. A guy had just gotten out of treatment. He was telling his story. And I swear, I thought that he was a plant who had come in to tell my story so that the, the leader of the of the, the the group could could observe my responses as he told my story. Alcoholism. He 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 had he 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 didn't didn't understand the joys of cocaine. He enjoyed uh, opioids. Okay, but he got down to the shotgun part, the sexual addiction, the acting out, high risk behavior, this other stuff, and he, and he and he he talked about having been in treatment for like three months, and uh, that he his his recovery plan was of course going to AA and. Uh, a fellowship I'd never heard of, Sexaholics Anonymous. And I found out from him a little more about Sexaholics Anonymous, but I didn't want to overreact. You know, I'm suicidal, can't control my sexual behavior, but I don't want to jump into anything too fast. So I talked with him over the course of a couple of weeks. And... uh on Labor Day weekend of uh, 1993, um, I, I, I had figured this, this, was, this was the weekend. I was not going to be at work on Tuesday. And what the hell, I might as well go see what this essay thing's about. And I walked into a, uh, uh, the Saturday morning meeting uh, at a place that was at the time called the Blue Portable, and some of us still call it the Blue Portable, even though they've painted it beige now. And uh, <clears throat> I walked into my first meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. And as I walked in the, the, the room, sitting straight across the room from the door, was my psychiatrist from when I was 15, 16 years old. And he, he was friends with my father, colleagues with my father, and he saw me walk through the door, and I look a lot like my dad. I really favored him very strongly. And he looked up and saw me and, 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 and was surprised and then realized that it wasn't, it wasn't his, his, his friend who had died a number of years ago. He wasn't seeing a ghost, he was seeing the sun. And he just smiled real big. And I walked over and said hello to him, and, and then I sat down. <clears throat> and uh, uh, started going to meetings. Now, in that room, uh, Harvey had uh, nine and a half years of sobriety. Uh, Dave, Dave H., who has spoken here, uh, was right at, at, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, Dave H., who, who has right at, probably had around eight to nine years of, of sobriety at that time. And Dave M., uh, who will be on a panel with me later, uh, was there with about seven or eight years of sobriety. Uh, there was a fellow named Judson who uh, now lives in Seattle. And uh, 
all these people are still sober. There was a woman in the room who only had nine months of sobriety, although at that time I knew that wasn't possible. And, uh, and, and she was, uh, she still, uh, comes to my home group. So I've, I've been blessed with, uh, from, from my first meeting to today with knowing a, a group of people who, uh, actually, uh, demonstrated for me that, uh, that essay sobriety, our definition of sexual sobriety is possible. I wasn't sure it's possible for me, but I knew theoretically it was possible. Um, I, uh, I continued to get more and more depressed because even though I was so depressed that, that the, the physical act of acting out was, was no longer possible. The, 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 the garbage that was in my head was just so incredibly painful. And, and now I don't have any drug at all to anesthetize. And I was getting more and more suicidal. And, uh, in December, uh, some, some, uh, 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 physician friends, uh, suggested that I should, uh, go to a psychiatric hospital, which I thought was a little bit of an overreaction. I mean, I was, I hadn't committed suicide yet. What's the problem? Thinking about it every day, all day long. Um, and I said, you know, there's got to be another option. And they said, well, yeah, uh, any two of us can sign a piece of paper and you'll go out to the state mental hospital for a 72-hour evaluation. I thought it over and decided, you know, checking into a private psychiatric hospital sounds like an excellent idea, given the alternative. So I did that. Fortunately, it also uh, treated uh, 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 addictions, multiple addictions, including they they had uh they they had a uh, program for uh sexual addiction and it was a real psychiatric hospital which is really where i be- belonged at that time uh i spent christmas and new years of uh uh 93 and 94 in in that hospital uh, in fact 24 years ago today i was still in that hospital and uh I got I got less they 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 I got less depressed and less suicidal but I was still not in a really great place when I was ready for discharge but they uh one of the one of the counselors uh there and I'm talking about master's level therapist not somebody who got sober 6 months ago and telling me all about re- recovery this was people who really they were they were therapists but some of them were in recovery and uh, one in particular uh, uh, told me that I needed to, when I got discharged, I needed to get with uh, with one of the folks in uh, recovery and work the steps as if my life depended upon it, because in my case it did. And she really and truly was very clear that I wouldn't, <clears throat> if I didn't do that, she didn't think I'd last a year. And she understood also that... Uh, there was a good chance the next time I wouldn't talk to any about to, to anyone about my depression. I would probably just act. So um, 
I came home and uh, I, at, uh, I was discharged on January the 19th of 1994. And for those of you who know a little bit about essay uh, history, a few days later, uh, after I'd gotten home to Nashville, it was, really, it was really funny. I got up in the halfway house, looked out the window. We'd had an ice storm. And I thought to myself, I won't use the foul language that was going around in my head, but, uh, but I thought to myself, you know, this is just great. I leave, I leave sunny Southern California so that I can come back to this ice storm. And I'm still convinced God hates me. And here's another example. And I walk out of the, uh, out of the, the, uh, area where the bedrooms and kitchen are into the common area and they've got the TV on. Somebody says, weren't you just out in Los Angeles? I said, well, yeah, I was. I said, man, you got home just in time. I said, what do you mean? They the pictures on the news. That was the earthquake that moved the central office from, from LA to Nashville. That took them a while after that before they actually made the move, but that was the big earthquake that caused all the, Anyway, uh, the, the, uh, but, but that way, see, the, the historical facts can be verified by, by the real record. I'm not just making this stuff up. But anyway, I, I, that was the time frame. And, uh, so I started going, I, I, I started talking to the, the, a guy had asked to sponsor me an essay. He'd been there, going there for about two, three years, which in those days was a long time. So I started talking to him. I said, "Look, when I was out in uh, in the hospital, uh, I worked through uh, 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 the first couple of steps. I'd already written out his first step and presented it, and I, uh, and I was ready to do that with the group. I said, "I said, now if you want, we can go back through the stuff again, or or if it's okay with you, we can move on to step four because we've done the first three steps out there." And he said, well, you can start on step four. So I started talking with him about the format of step four. And uh, as we had the conversation, I had this horrible realization that he had absolutely no idea about how to work step four. He'd never done it. And and once again, see, I'm, I have just barely begun to believe there might be a power at work in the rooms of SA that 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 could and would if he were sought. But that's 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 a, that's a hope more than a belief. And um, and 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 I have no faith. I have no experience on which to have faith because I'm interpreting all my experience to prove that God hates me. That he may get all you people sober, but when it comes to Bill, no deal. So, so, so I, I'm aware that if I don't work the steps, I'm going to die. I've got a, I've, I've done my part, God. I got me a sponsor, and uh, and and you picked me a sponsor that you knew wouldn't be able to help me work the steps because you want to see me die a horrible sexaholic death. That, I mean, that's the insanity that's going in my head. Uh, so now I'm, 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 I'm back into the, the fear and terror. 
I'm in the halfway house. I'm going days at a time without sleeping. Some nights I might get an hour or so of sleep uh, before the alarm goes off to get up and go to work. I'm not sure that I was at that point really in that much better shape than when I went to the hospital. And uh <clears throat> and I and I have no idea what's gonna happen, but what the hell, I'll just keep going to meetings and see what happens. So one day at the end of January, early February, and don't ask me which because I was not keeping good track of time at that point. I was sitting waiting for an AA meeting to start. <clears throat> And this, uh, this guy that I'd been in meetings, uh, with for the previous year and a half, maybe two years, um, and, uh, uh, he, he tell, the way he tells the story, he says, I walked in and sat down next to Bill because I was feeling particularly good that day and Bill looked like he wasn't. Boy, was that an understatement. I had known this guy, as I said, and he was just certifiably crazy. He had a uh, a sponsor who he always referred to as Crazy Ray. But it was clear to me that, that Rick was the, the crazy one of the two because he had uh, lost his uh, his license, his insurance license, for, uh, uh, some, I think it was fraud or embezzlement, misappropriation of clients' funds, uh, <clears throat> he had a multi-million dollar insurance firm, his company, that he drank away. And when when everything fell apart, he had he couldn't he he didn't have money to pay the premiums that his clients thought they had paid for. They had paid for them, but he just hadn't forwarded the funds to the to the insurance companies. Uh, and he hadn't been paying his taxes, uh, and he owed the IRS $975,000 in change. And he talked about things like going and making amends to the uh, chairman of the insurance commission, going and making amends to the uh, IRS. And that's crazy stuff. There's got to be an easier way to get sober than all that. And we talked before the meeting, and then we the meeting, and then we talked a little bit after the meeting, and and I, I I realized that I was saying, "Would you show me how to work the steps?" And I swear, if I could have grabbed those words out of the air and pulled them back, I would have. Anybody but this guy. And he smiled and said, "said Yeah, I'll be happy to show you what I've done." Uh, and I said, I said, well, you know, I don't have a sponsor. He said, he said, well, actually, you do now. I said, so you're going to be my temporary sponsor. He says, well, if that's what you want, that'll be okay. And I'd heard the story about how during the first year of sobriety, uh, when he first asked Ray to be his sponsor, he and Ray knew each other before either of them got sober. Ray got sober first, and when Rick asked Ray to be his sponsor, Ray response was, Jesus Christ, no. He says, what do you mean, Ray? He says, I, Rick, I didn't like you before you, you stopped drinking, and I don't like you any better now. He says, but Ray, i got to get sober. He says, you damn sure do. He says, 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 I tell you what. 
you don't drink today, call me in the morning. If you haven't had a drink tomorrow morning, we'll see what we can do. And that's how it went day by day, you know, for for the first however long Rick would call races. You had a drink uh, since we last spoke? Says no. Says okay, I'll I'll sponsor you today. Well, Rick's been my temporary sponsor since 1994. Um, it was a period of a few years where I was not living in Nashville, and at Rick's insistence, I. Uh, not not really insistence. He just said, I think it would be good for you to get a, spon- uh, a sponsor where you live. So I did I did what he suggested. But outside of that, uh, 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 as soon as I moved back into the state of Tennessee, even though I was in Knoxville three hours away, I told him that I'm in the same state. That's local enough for me. You're my sponsor again. How many sponsees you got? He said, whatever. I said, we, I hope you got room for one more. Otherwise, I'm going to have to pick one of your sponsees and buy him a drink. <laughs> he just laughed. He just laughed. Said, yeah. So anyway, we've been doing this uh, since 1994. And let me tell you, I know what a blessing that is. I really do. Uh, to, to have a, a relationship with somebody in recovery for that long. And, uh, and, and that doesn't mean that I haven't benefited from having men like, uh, Harvey and, and Dave and so forth. That's the beauty of it. Uh, I heard, uh, Mike C say, say that, uh, we think of, uh, of sponsorship as only that intimate one-on-one relationship when in fact sponsorship is also a community, which, which, uh, in my case, it takes a village. And I'm very grateful for, for all those people. Um so so that's kind of that's kind of how I got myself to the rooms of SA. Uh shortly after uh uh Rick agreed to show me work in the steps and we didn't we didn't waste any time. I brought over the work I'd done at the hospital, asked him if there was anything he wanted me to redo, do differently. I, I mean I was I could not argue anymore. And, 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 and Rick is not the most, well actually he is, but he can, he can, he can, he's very sensitive and compassionate, but he also is quite willing to tell you, uh, you know, he, he'll tell you that if you do that you're, you're likely to die, and he uses words like that. Uh, and, and, uh, I, re- I remember when we're talking about something, uh, that, that I, I was afraid of, and his, 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 Point was, he asked me, point blank, he says, what have you got to lose? You know, he says, let's do this. And if it doesn't work, you can commit suicide later. And I thought, that's horribly insensitive. He said, but if you don't put forth uh, at least half the effort into this recovery business as you did into uh, uh, every everything else, this is the last thing to pass through your brain just before that bullet might be the thought of, I wonder what would happen if I'd really been honest. And, oh, that pissed me off. And, and part of my plan for the first six months was that I was going to do exactly what he told me. And when it didn't work, I was going to go over to his house and, and, and kill myself on his front porch so he would know it was his fault. Well, as, as you can tell, uh, it worked. Um, we read the promises after step nine in a lot of our meetings. Uh, 
But there's promises all through the book. I know the the step three promises, um, and 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 I missed one word. It says when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things happened. Well, I don't, I wasn't sincere about the position for a while, so not all of those uh, promises started falling into place. But I began to see some of the promises as as I take action, I start getting results. That's really all the promises are. They say if you'll do this, this is what you can expect. Um, there's promises after step five. Those came true almost immediately after step five. Um, as I started making amends, uh, I started experiencing those promises. And then there's a, a promise from our uh, our reading, the solution. At each amends, more of the dreadful load of guilt dropped from our shoulders to a wicked at last stand free and look the world in the eye. That started happening. I don't remember. I, I wish, again, I, time at that point, and everybody here who's who's been through that, that, that early sobriety fog understands how, how, how events that I'm sure happen in this sequence actually happen in a different sequence. So I can't tell you but I, when the time was. But I remember probably sometime in the summer of 1994, I was having a conversation with someone telling them about what it had been like a year before and so forth and and going to the hospital and the suicidal depression and all of a sudden I realized it's not here anymore. I mean I can think I can imagine if I think about it, you know, putting a gun to my head, driving my but there's no power behind that, okay? Kind of like I can imagine taking a uh, taking a uh, a big brick a brico block and dropping it on my foot. I know it would hurt. I can imagine it, but I, but I'm not going to do it. I don't know when that went away. I mean, it was here. You know, I like the, the what self seeking was will slip away. What happened? It was here just a minute ago, and it slipped away. You know, and and that's that's kind of what. What what happened to me? Fear of people and economic security will leave us. Well, when did the suicidal ideation leave me? When did it slip away? Because it wasn't one day where I said, that's it, I'm putting this down and never picking it up again. It just was gone. It hadn't come back. And I've had some moments where the... Uh, in addition, uh, and, and this is really, really important. Right after I quit drinking and drugging and, and, uh, and, and acting out, uh, and the psychiatrist who, who was treating me in the hospital and then I followed up afterwards and they said, you know, for the next year or so, we're not going to be able to tell for sure whether you're really depressed, you know, have a real depression illness or whether it's just a result of your addiction. So after a period of time, they, uh, they got me off the medication. And the depression came back. Not not the not the suicide part, but I could tell that the all the colors were beginning to fade from from right now. This is all Technicolor. I mean, I am consciously aware of the brilliance of the sunlight coming in here, and and the different colors of the uh, of the chairs as, as depending on the amount of light. Real color, and what was happening was my my world was beginning to go back to to grays and black and white, and uh, and and uh, 
and, and like I said, I didn't want to die, but I wasn't having as much fun with life. I had, you know, kind of like, well, surprise. Let's see. You're an alcoholic. You're a drug addict. You're a sexaholic. Oh, and by the way, you appear to have a depressive illness. I also have high cholesterol. Okay? Now, you know, it, you, you know so it's not like having this means you don't have that. And I promise you that if I do one more inventory and 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 uh, go make whatever amends come out of it, that's not going to lower my cholesterol if I stop taking my medicine. Um, and and so I continue to take uh, psychotropic uh, well antidepressants because uh, after uh, I went and and the 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 psychiatrist I saw when the uh, depression recurred. Uh, I was living out of town, so I couldn't go to my, the one I'd been with before. But I went to this woman who's the medical director of a rather well-known uh, treatment center in the southeast in Atlanta. And and she did. I mean, it's unheard of. Uh, uh, it, she spent spent a total, uh, a total of two hours with me and my wife on the first visit. Uh, and since I'd driven an hour and a half, uh, or so to see her. So I don't generally start medicine on the first uh, visit unless it's really an emergency. But and she made the point. But but you're working a good program. You're actively sponsoring. But you're doing all the recovery stuff I would tell somebody to try before I started them on medicine. So I I think it's you know and I know your history. I think it's reasonable that we go ahead and get you started on some antidepressants today. And uh, that's that's my you know that's part of it. So so uh, uh, I, tr- I I you know if 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 I if I have uh, problems with my taxes, I talk to an accountant. And if you're not a CPA, I don't care what your opinion is on how I should manage my tax problems. Okay. If I have cancer, I'm going to see an oncologist. And if you're not an oncologist, I don't care what your opinion is. Unless you're board certified in psychiatry or addiction psychiatry, I don't care what your opinion is about people who take antidepressants or medicine for bipolar. But I think that 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 if you will read our literature, it, it's it's very clear um, uh, that that. From the the big book, it says that we should never belittle the efforts of a good doctor or psychiatrist. Their services may be invaluable in helping with the newcomer and following his case afterwards. So I believe the literature. I'm going to go with that. You can keep. You can have your opinions. Preferably keep them to yourself with me. Uh, like I say, unless you're qualified. Uh, but but other than that, it's it's just kind of like I, I I try to I try to hold my opinions on outside issues to myself, unless somebody specifically asks me. I'm sharing my experience today about about my my mental illness. Um, today, uh, some of you have had the opportunity over the weekend to meet my wife. We're going to celebrate 18 years of marriage. Uh, here in uh, in in uh, a, a week or so, and so so uh, I'm really grateful 
for everything that's come, come my way in uh, recovery. I have, uh, I, 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 I have been doing the same uh, profession since uh, 1979. Not quite 40 years. We're getting there. Today I'm enjoying it more than I ever had. And I got to tell you, 10 years ago is pretty good. It's kind of like recovery, but it's just getting better and better. Right now I've got three part-time jobs, and I love every one of them. And if I ever stop loving any one of them, I can let it go because I don't have to have the money from... I might even be able to retire entirely. I don't know. I haven't been looked at it really hard because I don't want to retire. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, I'm 66, and I, I, I'm in a, uh, I have the, the opportunity, the privilege, if you will, that I, I get to work about three days a week, and once a month I have to work a weekend. And, I, and again, so I get to enjoy it for as much as I want to do it because the days of wanting to work 50 hours a week are long gone. I don't have the energy for it or, or whatever, but, but I really enjoy what I do. Uh, so let's see, great marriage, love my work, recovery is great, got a host of friends, including people who've been doing this for a decade or, or, or two longer than I have, down to people who have, uh, who have been doing this for a few months. Um, I've, I've got, I've got an, uh, a, a group of, of sponsees uh, who are uh, from 27 years of sobriety down to uh, a few weeks. I've got friends who range in age from their 20s to their 80s. And that's pretty cool because, because see, I get to get, I get, if, if something, if, if there's some part of popular culture that I don't know about, I can ask one of them and say, what's this about, you know? Also, by the way, they're still making, I love, I love rock and roll music. And, and, uh, I enjoy what my son, uh, son and, and young, young friends refer to as dinosaur rock. But I also, they're making some, still making some good music. And they're making a lot of crap, just like they did when I was 20 years old. Uh, but but I, now i got friends that will sort through the crap and say, you might really enjoy this. Yeah. Um, I'm getting to mentor uh, 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 younger people in my profession. I mean, they're asking me for my experience. That's pretty cool. Um uh, I've just got a lot of, of, of blessings in my life that I could have never imagined. <clears throat> uh, now I want to turn to something that's a little more serious. <clears throat> I've, I've, uh, I, I keep changing the, uh, the little uh, whatever right after my signature on my email. I'll find a nice little thing and I'll put it on for a few weeks or months and then I'll change it. One that I recently was using is... Uh, uh, serenity is not uh, freedom from the storm. It's peace in the midst of the storm. So I'll tell you about my storm right now. I've got a uh, 37-year-old son 
who is uh, at the end stage of opioid addiction. And uh, he's long past the point of even being able to put on a facade of, of, of being sober. Uh, uh, he can't he can't attend a family event uh, uh, like for dinner. He nods out at the table, and he'll be kind of, and then and he'll be with you for, or, or as much with you as he can for a few minutes, and then he'll nod off again. And that's, uh, you know, that's a real sad uh, situation. I go to Al-Anon meetings, by the way, because everybody in my family um, is is either in recovery or needs to be. And uh, both my sisters have been sober at AA longer than I have. Uh, and and I'm just uh, aware that you know I I don't get to make the choice of whether my son is going to recover or die from his addiction. But but in the midst of all this, see, uh, when when Abby was talking with Bill, he said, you know, it's really important that you work with others and improve your spiritual condition, or you're never going to survive the uh, trials and low spots that are are sure to come your way. Life is 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 filled with trials and low spots. We don't get to choose that. And neither of those earth people out there who don't have addiction. But what I've got, the 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 choice I get to get to make is: Do I want to face those trials and low spots alone in isolation, or do I want to walk through those trials and low spots with a loving and gracious higher power? Surrounded by loving and supportive friends that he's put in my life. That's the choice I get to make. Um, 25 years ago, I'd have to count up, but that'd be about right. No, that's not quite that that long. Uh, 20 years ago, uh, my sister's uh, oldest son was killed in a drunk driving accident. He was the drunk driver. Uh, and she she was devastated by that loss for a year. And, but today uh, today she's she's got a a rich full life. Uh, my wife and 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 her uh, and and myself went scuba diving uh, together. Then they like they like that so much that. My wife and my sister took my other sister, and they went scuba diving without me. My three favorite women on the planet, and I'm not there. But they had a wonderful time, and I don't believe I don't begrudge them at all. Because see, if I'd been there, the the girls' trip wouldn't have been the same if I'd been there. And uh, and they they enjoyed it, and and I'm glad that I was able to be home, watch the watch the dogs, and do the other things that needed to be done, so they could have fun. So what I'm, the point I'm making there is that I don't want my son to die. But see, I have living proof in the form of my sister that if I, that if I lose a child, that I don't, that doesn't end my life. 
That doesn't mean there will never be joy in my life. Now, I've also, uh, since my nephew died, my brother was killed in a sober motorcycle accident. And, uh, and, and, uh, um, I remember the pain of losing my brother. And that's just inevitable. But I also know that feelings pass. My emotional state at this moment won't be the, won't be the same in an hour. Now, grief takes a little longer, I'll grant you, but the point is that today, instead of getting all teary and crying about my brother, if you, if I get started talking about my brother, I'll tell you about what a, some of the great joys I had having him as my brother. He was my younger brother for over 50 years in my life. And some of the wild and crazy things we did that was great. So I'm just going to wrap this up with this, with this idea, uh, that, that, um, that in the big book it says what we have is a design for living. Recovery isn't something that I get to talk about at a convention or at a meeting and then go back out and just be an SOB to everybody at work, at home, etc. This is, this is a set of principles which if I, if I practice them as a way of life will, will give me a life that I could have never imagined. And I, you know, I, I had, you know, when, when I when I had 15 years uh, in recovery, my life was wonderful. I can't tell you the wonderful things that have come my way since then. And I have no idea what God's got in store, but I'm sure that I'm underestimating it. And I want to close with a, a little a little poem uh, that one of the old timers uh, in Nashville. Uh, used, used to use to close his uh, talk. I sought, I sought my God, my God I could not see. I sought my soul, my soul eluded me. I sought my fellow man and found all three. Dr. Bob said, it boils down to love and service. That's 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 the that's the basis of our our uh, program and fellowship. And I'm so very grateful to be a part of this journey with you. Uh, let's see. In closing, uh, I would like to uh, say that anything you heard at this. Meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of uh, SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Remember, we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films, and neither does anyone speak for SA. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about in SA to yourself. The shares we have heard were told in confidence, although this was recorded. And uh, please, what we say here, when we leave here, let it stay here. And uh, uh, why don't we uh, join hands? It's a small enough group. I think we could circle up.
And let's close with the third step prayer. listening to this episode of the daily reprieve the best source for experience strength and hope for sa members please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes please show your support by donating to the daily reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking donate now Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.